0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorges.org. And a warm welcome to you today to Calvary Church, a part of the Parish of Calvary St. George's on uh, this Trinity Sunday, also known as hardest sermon of the year to preach Sunday, and so uh, trying to keep it short. Um. If you look in the back of your bulletin, though, we've uh, printed what's called the Athanasius Creed. This is one of the three ecumenical creeds, the Apostles, the Nicene, and the Athanasius Creed. And uh, it was uh, written um, in honor of St. Athanasius, who defended the doctrine of the Trinity against the Arians. He, uh, Athanasius was actually excommunicated. The Arians had taken over the church, and he was excommunicated five times. And the saying was, um, Athanasius Contramundo, and so uh, Athanasius against the world... And, uh, but the, uh, the, the creed there uh, recognizes and emphasizes the doctrine of the Trinity as well as the lordship and incarnation of Jesus. And in one of those lines in that long, long creed, it says this. And the Catholic faith is this. Now, when I say Catholic, don't get hung up on that. That's from the Greek word kata, which means the unified, unified church. But the unified Christian church is this, our faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. Not three gods, but one God in essence, and yet not one person, but three persons. Get it? (laughs) Of course you don't, and neither do I. If you think you get it, talk to me afterwards. I'll set you straight. And so, but... um. But the best analogy I've, there's a lot of analogies and they're all terrible, but the best analogy I've ever heard uh, describing God as Trinity, like how we could possibly do it, is this. Um, I used to love to go fishing, you know what I mean? And uh, I still love to go fishing, and when I catch something, it doesn't matter. What I pull out of the water, I eat, you know, and um, it could be a shoe. I'm going to take it home, I'm going to clean it, and we're going to fry that sucker up. And uh, one time I went fishing uh, with a guy who was a real sportsman when it came to fishing. Like, he tracks moon cycles and currents and temperature. And we went out into the Pacific, and man, I caught... And and every time this guy catches a fish, he, like, grabs it, and he kisses it, and he throws it back into the sea. That's the kind of guy he is. And so one time, I caught this fish, and it was huge. And, man, my forearms were burning, and I pulled this big tuna into the boat, and I was like, yes! We're going to eat this. And he helped it off the hook. And then he was like, this is a baby. And he kissed it and he threw it back into the ocean. And um, needless to say, I was really, I was angry. But uh, then I began, as we were coming home, I began to wonder if fish could talk. What would that fish tell his friends? And I could imagine that fish swimming down and being like, Gus, you'll never believe what happened to me. There I was swimming and I saw this delicious morsel just hanging out of nowhere. And you know me, I can't control myself. So I went up and ate it. And then I was on a hook and I was painfully being dragged into the light. And I was brought up into the heavens. And there I was before two gods. And I'm convinced one of them was going to eat me. And the other one, he took the hook out of my mouth, he kissed me, and he put me back into the ocean. And now I have a whole new perspective on everything, and the world will end soon. You know, and um, I'm glad you laughed. The, the other service just, like, booed me out of the pulpit with this story. But uh, anyway, but, uh, but this, is, this, is, this is one of what I'm talking about here in a long way, way of getting there. Is, um, this is one of the great paradoxes of Christianity, that we worship one God in three persons, this is strange. It's totally irrational. This is what it's like to be a tuna trying to describe me and my friend. I mean, how do you articulate that which is really above you, truly above you? I mean, we can get our hands handle around things that are below us, With enough study, we can describe the intricacies of soil. We can uh, study animals and their migration. Even space is below us as we discover new things about the universe. However, to talk about that which is truly above us, the one thing that is truly above us, God, well, that is another story. That is a whole different task in and of itself. And the fact that we use and describe God using words like person, being, essence, substance, we can't really explain God. I mean, how do you explain something that is three in one? And you'll hear people talk about the ice cube analogy or the water analogy, the hat analogy, all of these different analogies, and they all eventually lead to some sort of heresy, whether it's modalism, partialism, um, Arianism. It's all of this it it just cannot be explained. And this is my first point, and I'm just here to tell you I can't explain it. The Trinity is a profound paradox, and it is a doctrine and a truth that is only received by faith. We worship three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in one being, or essence, or as we call it, God. It's really as simple as that. And all we can really do is distinguish the person. The Father is uncreated, unbegotten, and unproceeding. The Son is begotten of the Father, and the Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son, and that's what distinguishes them. And all three are worshipped and glorified, and yet there is but one God, and whenever God deals with us, all three persons actually deal with us accordingly to their function that's it now to be a christian you must confess this doctrine the church can disagree on a lot of things like baptism or holy communion but the doctrine of the trinity is a total non-negotiable you know whether you're eastern orthodox roman catholic protestant evangelical charismatic you must confess the doctrine of the trinity And while the word Trinity is not specifically used in the scriptures, the teaching is literally all over the Bible, especially beginning in the Old Testament. From the opening verses of Genesis, God refers to himself as we, and you see God speaks the word as the Spirit hovers over the waters of the deep. In today's Old Testament reading from the book of Proverbs, the Son the Son is personified as wisdom, begotten from all eternity, from before the beginning of the earth. However, this doctrine, because we can't wrap our mind around it totally, oftentimes, and you've got all these people wanting to talk about H2O all the time when it comes to the Trinity, it becomes an abstraction. And we can miss the tremendous and profound gospel comfort given to us in this doctrine. Romans touches on this comfort in our reading today. In Romans chapter 5, what's happening here is that St. Paul is appealing to the Torah as he makes his point that what he is professing and proclaiming isn't some sort of new religion. In the Roman world at this time, there were all sorts of new religions popping up, and what St. Paul is telling the Romans is that this is not a religion he made up. Rather, he's appealing back to the Torah, back to the Old Testament, that Christianity is not the abolishment of Judaism, but rather the complete and total fulfillment. And in Romans chapter 5, you see him using the Trinity here. He doesn't say Trinity, but he's using the Trinity here to articulate how God engages us. How God engages us. And he writes right at the beginning, "...since we are justified by faith." Now, don't let this pass you by. This is a key statement. This is the central statement of the Christian faith. Since we are justified by faith, you see, faith isn't some sort of acceptable form of superstition, as I say, but faith is the gift of justifying, not by doing, but God justifying us and resting in his promises. The action of God the Father in justifying us. This is why we can call God the Father. Justifying us. This is how God deals with the evil that is in us and around us. He justifies you. And in the Greek, when it says, since then we have been justified by faith, boom, you add a therefore. The English cuts it out. But you add a therefore. We have peace with God. And what is peace with God? It's not some sort of John Lennon song. This is a clear conscience. When you stand before God, having peace with him means that you stand before God, who's now your father, completely, not just not guilty, but totally innocent. Innocent. And how is this possible? Through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to the grace in which we stand. You notice we're not moving anywhere, we're just standing in it. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God, proclaiming this gospel of what he has done. And as St. Paul goes on to say right here in our reading, and justifying faith in Jesus, what is justifying faith in Jesus? It's his person and his work, that righteousness totally given to you. That enables us to actually, that peace of a clear conscience before God, enables us to actually rest through all the crap that life's going to throw at you. Paul calls it suffering here. And what it does, this peace, it produces patience, he says. It gives us endurance. And this endurance creates character. Character rooted in hope. Not just because we can do it, because we can't but because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, he says, that has been given to us. The deposit that what has happened with Jesus will happen to you. You will be vindicated. And this is my second point. The good news of the Trinity is this, as St. Paul articulates it. God the Father has justified you by the gift of faith in the work and person of the Son, Jesus which is enabled, and we're enabled to believe that by the gift of the Holy Spirit that has been poured into our hearts. Or in other words, to break it down in this simple way, remember this, the Trinity is all about this. The same God who has created you is the same God who now has saved you and rescued you from death and is the same God who is now with you in your darkest hour. And he will never leave you or forsake you. And this is because ultimately, at the center of this doctrine, at the center of every doctrine in Christianity, is Jesus. When you leave here, what's what's the doctrine of the Trinity about? Jesus. It's all about Jesus and him being sent to save the world and to save you. If the Son of God had not come in flesh... There would be no need for all of this Trinity paradox. We could all be Unitarians and just go home. But here's the thing. When the Son of God shows his face to the world, and when the Son of God shows his face to the world, as suffering and dying on the cross, God's glory revealed in the face of Christ Jesus, And when he rises from the dead, victorious over sin, death, and the devil, when he reveals now the Father to us and sends the Spirit out as his breath, all religious bets, all theories, all speculations concerning God are totally off the table. I'm the type of guy who used to like to hang out all night drinking wine, you know, talking about God and theories about God, with clever theories and analogies, and I was the best at it. Not anymore, although I do like to hang out late drinking wine. Um, (laughs) When it comes to God, I'm not so much into speculation anymore. And that's because I've realized that all of these analogies and all of these theories were just a subtle way of me and my friends... Ultimately, fashioning God into our own likeness. And you know, when we depart from the gospel, and when we depart from Jesus, the revelation of God to the world, it's so easy to do. And this is why the church is completely being co-opted by both the left and the right. Have you noticed how the left and the right, both, now the right's had their church for a long time. And now the left is demanding one too. And like, both are completely off the mark. Neither are talking about Jesus and him crucified. This is a terrible thing. We all want a transcendent, ethereal, and therefore distant God. This was Israel's complaint. This is why they were always creeping over the hills to the Moabites and hanging out with them. Because the Moabites' God was distant. The God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's close. He's close. You see, a God who is only transcendent, a God who is ethereal and therefore distant, that God cannot save you from sin and death. Luther once said that he knew no other God but the God who suckled from the tit of the Virgin Mary and who hangs dead on a cross, bearing the sins of the world. I need that kind of clarity in my religion. And this is my third point. The paradox of the Trinity finds its meaning in Jesus. God comes to us in his eternal Son, We know God in knowing Jesus. And we know no other God but this Jesus who suffers, dies, rises, and is coming again for you. And in the meantime has sent his spirit, his very self, in order to bring us justified to the Father. Never forget this. We are loved by the Father in the beloved Son who bears our humanity and draws us to him by that same Spirit. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God in three persons, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, can make an online donation at calvaryst.george's.org/slash giving. Thank you.